0: Good afternoon and Happy Thanksgiving, Patriots! You are listening to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today I'll give an update on my campaign for school board, I'll cover whether the FBI is redeemable, and we'll finish up with the planned oil release from the nation's Strategic Reserves and why it doesn't matter. Next, on Living with Liberty. So my campaign for school board has officially kicked off. So far, we've made good progress. The website is coming along. I plan to have that launched by the end of the week here. The logo is all set. My platform is all set. And we've already taken in a few donations. A Huge thank you to those who have donated so far. I greatly appreciate it. The Facebook page has been active for 10 days. That's part of our launch, and I have a, been at a number of networking events already. Just meeting other candidates have been that uh, are running for office, whether it be local or state level here in 2022. Uh, meeting potential donors and. As uh, the schedule looks uh, over December here, I'll have a number of other events that uh, we'll be attending and uh, speaking at and hopefully getting the word out on why I'm the best candidate. And of course, as we roll into 2022, I'm sure the schedule will get uh, that much busier as we get closer to, to election here. Now I have a preliminary campaign plan mapped out, so according to that, we're moving along nicely. We're starting early, and that's going to hopefully be a big benefit come uh, come uh, this the call late winter here and early spring when the the general election is. And and speaking about the late winter here, I mentioned that because it looks like we're going to be facing a primary. So as the calendar flips to twenty twenty two. It's going to be an interesting six weeks at the start of the new year, running up to the primary in mid-February. So it's even better starting early, like we are. A lot of times, I know a lot of candidates um, in the past year haven't started running or doing anything until January. We're getting about a six-week 6, uh, six week jump on that, even, to to get the word out even sooner. And then, should we win the primary... We'll have certainly another interesting six weeks until the spring general election in April. Uh, I've worked on a couple campaigns, just doing phone calls and stuff, never been involved in one running myself. Uh, Personally, this is my first time. Uh, Already have learned a lot, looking forward to uh, running uh, my campaign and and running to represent the the people of my town on the school board. And what I'll do is my commitment always to, to my um, to all of you who invest time in my show, I'll, I'll do my best to bring you all the news I I can from the campaign trail as we move along through the process. I know I set the the stage in the last um, in my last show that as I go we go through the campaign. Uh, right now, that's going to be priority. As much as I enjoy uh, bringing you all content, um, we're doing the campaign, so I don't know how. I'm going to try and make this as regular as I can and get it on some sort of schedule, but um, we'll, uh, the campaign is, is going to dictate, I guess, what that schedule is going to be. So appreciate you all hanging with me. And and like I said, it's more to come as soon as the website is done. I'll be posting that out there for anybody who wants to ch- check it out and see what I'm about in, in terms of uh, uh, my ideas for our local school board. Now, the first thing I wanna cover today is An interesting article I came across by Victor Davis Hanson that was posted uh, on the Daily Signal. It's titled, Can the FBI be salvaged? This is an interesting question. I think it's become plainly obvious to any objective observer, and that's the key words there, objective observer, right or left. Because I think as we've seen throughout, uh, as we've gone along here and And uh, we've seen what can be uh, at best termed questionable FBI interactions um, with uh, various groups and specifically people. Anybody that's objective uh, can see that, I think, and recognize that and acknowledge that. I think as we've seen this, it's, it's it's plainly obvious that this institution is corrupt has been corrupted, it is corrupt, and it's been that way for a long time. We just didn't notice the depths of its corruption until relatively recently, and I would say given the, the length of time the FBI is, has been around, I would say that recently is the last five years or so is when we've really become aware of just the systemic problem within the FBI. Now, Victor Davis Hansen notes in his article a number of the recent faux pas of the FBI, we have the recent allegations that they were investigating concerned parents who were speaking out against their local school boards. I wonder if I'm on some list somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, we have Jim Comey's constant editorializing, uh, as Victor Davis Hansen put it, of the Hillary Clinton emails when that whole thing was going on. Jim Comey was trying to cover that whole thing up and and trying to provide spin on it. Now, Victor Davis Hanson also writes about that uh, investigation itself, uh, the Hillary Clinton email investigation, if you want to call it an investigation. VDH says this, in a bizarre twist, the public learned later That Comey had allowed Clinton's own private computer contractor, CrowdStrike, to run the investigation of the hack. The private firm was allowed to keep possession of pertinent hard drives central to the investigation. How odd that CrowdStrike's point man was Sean Henry, a former high-ranking FBI employee. Now think about that. Uh, that that statement I just read this is like letting Bernie Madoff run his own investigation into his Ponzi scheme and then letting him keep all the relative uh, relevant data associated with the case uh, letting him keep the data that would never see the light of day that would incriminate him how do you let this? CrowdStrike, who's involved, who is the contractor uh, of Hillary Clinton here, run the investigation of the hack? Who the hell gets to essentially investigate their own misconduct? And who gets to keep their own data in said investigation? Now, and, and that's... Kind of the the second point here, I guess, is it seems that these coincidences of former government officials, high-ranking government officials, being involved in this stuff also keeps popping up. So you have some, uh, you you have uh, the computer contractor here who, who was, Obviously hired by Clinton, right? They're on the payroll, so they're a Clinton payroll uh, member here, running the investigation into the hack. You have what should be what should have been a a a, um, a legal department, DOJ investigation, FBI investigation, uh, to to bring to light all the uh, all the evidence here. CrowdStrike was allowed to keep possession of the hard drives so they could have wiped them. They could have just released what they wanted. They could have done whatever they they wanted with it. And to top it off, you have the point man here was a former high-ranking FBI employee. How, How can you take the FBI as a legitimate institution? Like I said, this is Bernie Madoff running his own Ponzi scheme investigation. Uh, and furthermore, it's it's we have former government officials that keep popping up in this stuff. They go and work in the private sector, they have, and they they use all their swampy connections to further corrupt our government and its institutions. Now, I would be all for a permanent ban on allowing former government officials taking roles that have direct contact with governmental officials and agencies. If you were a high, especially a high-ranking government official, you should be banned from having any sort of high-level point man job in it with a private sector company that has direct contact with government officials, government agencies with their, their government contracts. There should be a ban on this stuff. And that goes for lobbyists too. They're, they're not exempt. Government institutions are corrupt enough without adding to it by giving former federal employees unfettered access to government officials. We don't there's enough crap that goes on in the government with all the other swampy connections. We don't need to add to it by now uh former high-ranking officials going to work in the private sector and, and using those connections to, to manipulate the market or in this case, to protect Hillary Clinton. Now having those former employees in an advisory role is fine as so long as they're not the ones with the direct relationship with the agency or, uh, or, or government official. It's It's fine to have that knowledge base as part of your, uh, uh, call it part of your talent pool. But they should not be the ones with the direct uh, relationship. They should only be in an advisory role, a consultative role. That's it. Shouldn't be working directly with any government entity. Now, if you think about it here, if these types of things happened in the corporate world, We'd call it collusion and people would be going to jail. But since it's government, it's just brushed off as the normal course of business. That's just how we do things. So deal with it, plebeians. Now, one other point I wanted to touch on from Victor Davis Hansen's piece is how the FBI has had information on several major events that it apparently was too busy... Uh, Investigating law-abiding Americans to take action on. Things like Hunter Biden's laptop. uh, That teen gymnast predator Larry Nassar. The Boston Marathon bombers. And Jeffrey Epstein. The FBI is in place to provide follow-up on threats to domestic security and criminal activity. Uh, And we'll call it alleged criminal activity. Innocent until proven guilty. Instead, instead of performing the function they are there to perform, keeping our our, our domestic soil safe, following up on leads of potential domestic terrorist threats, even outside domestic terrorist threats that um, have cells planted in our nation, Instead of following up on leads of criminal activity that could have been stopped after just a few victims in some of these cases here. Instead of following up on that, instead of doing their job, the FBI seems to be too busy doing things like assembling SWAT teams and tipping off journalists for when they go raiding pro-Trump activists like Roger Stone or... Individuals doing actual uh, expository journalism like James O'Keefe and his crew. Why, uh, if this is what the FBI is is now doing is haranguing parents at school board meetings and running fake raids uh, on political opponents and enemies, let's call it we don't need the FBI. They're, they're proving they are worthless and nothing but but the uh, uh, the strong arm of the regime in a couple regimes in the, the the regime that kind of hung over during the Trump years. Now Victor Davis Hansen ended his piece by stating that the FBI should be given one more chance at redemption. He throws out the idea of moving the headquarters to the middle of the country, somewhere like Kansas. Now, this might not be a bad idea to decentralize the FBI, not only the FBI, but all government functions anyway. Get these things out of Washington. Washington, D.C. is a bubble, a nasty, swampy bubble. Politicians and bureaucrats alike spend way too much time in their nasty little swamp bubble and not enough time out among the people they are purported to be serving. That's our representatives and that's these bureaucrats. The headquarters of these bureaucrats, uh, bureaucracies are in Washington, D.C. Those people aren't leaving there. It's just a nasty, nasty bubble of, of filth. Moving the headquarters of the various bureaucracies out of the District of Corruption and into the various communities around the country may actually do some good in terms of bringing perspective back to the people running them on what everyday Americans are thinking, what everyday Americans want and expect from their government. It may be redeemable uh, for to take this approach for the FBI. We may be able to redeem the FBI by taking this approach. Then again, the FBI just may be irredeemable at this point anyway and need to be scrapped. And the duties of the FBI turned over to the Secret Service, which had performed a number of the functions the FBI now has prior to the creation of the FBI. Maybe one more chance I don't know. I'm kind of at the point where it's we're we're done. We've the, the FBI's really serving no purpose anymore except to to agitate political opponents and and run fake raids. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't. I'm not holding out any hope. It's a, I guess a, a a valid idea. It'd be an interesting idea. I think it's one that needs to happen. Uh, not only for the FBI, but decentralize all of the, uh, all the bureaucracies. Maybe there'd be less corruption. If we can get some representatives in there to run on that type of platform, I would vote for them. All right, finishing up today's show. I don't want anyone to worry. Don't worry. The Biden regime is going to get these energy prices under control. He is now tapping the strategic petroleum reserves to get more oil into the market since his begging of OPEC to increase output went nowhere. 50 million barrels of oil has been authorized to be released. That is a whopping two and a half days of supply that will be entering uh, the the, uh, oil supply chain here. For context, The U.S. consumes about 20 million barrels of oil per day. Releasing 50 million barrels is like peeing in the ocean. Just don't tell the resident-in-chief that, though. He's out there touting this as his next big win. Here's what Biden had to say about his generous actions of releasing some oil from the strategic reserves. He said this, while our combined actions will not solve the problems of high gas prices overnight it will make a difference it will take time but before long you should see the price of gas drop where you fill up your tank okay just go back to your pudding cup and wheel of fortune already this is not going to make one bit of difference in prices this is just another stunt by the Obama 3.0 administration to make it seem like they are doing something, to make it seem like they care about the plight of the average everyday American. They aren't doing anything and they still don't care. This is a one-time shot and it's not going to do anything for the prices in the market, particularly if demand stays strong, which at this point it is anticipated to remain strong it's not even going to be an immediate release. They're going to release 32 million barrels in the next few months according to what the story says here. Nothing like really nailing down a date to give markets certainty, to give the people an idea of when this you know will will have an impact. It's not going to have much of an impact. But nonetheless, nothing like staying vague about the plan, right? And then on top of that 32 million that Uh, is is, um, immediate release, immediate as in the next few months. There is another 18 million million barrels that will be released on authorization by Congress. Now, don't be confused. What this is, is just another opportunity for propagandizing later on. When prices start coming down, particularly when the recession that's on the horizon here, Okay, we're, we we cannot continue at this pace forever. I covered that uh, in previous shows. It, a recession's coming with all the inflation; it, it's coming. But what does that mean? Well, that means consumption goes down, and that's when you'll see gas prices start coming down because oil will start uh, being; will uh, start uh, less oil will start being consumed. There'll be more oil prices come down. Basic economics which this regime doesn't understand, apparently. But they're propagandizing back to that. When the prices start coming down, the regime will then try to feed us a crap sandwich about how it was their bold action of tapping the strategic oil reserves that brought relief. Don't bite on that. The markets aren't. Oil prices initially dropped. Uh, they, they caught wind that there would be some of this, something like this happening. So oil prices initially dropped in the lead up to the announcement. In anticipation, again, economics 101: more supply, prices come down. But prices then increased again after the program uh, was revealed. After it was this 50 million barrels, we're releasing 50 million barrels. (laughs) The market said, "Well, uh, let's shoot oil prices back up." The reason for this: this this 50 million barrels isn't anything that's going to provide a sustained increase in supply this release of the strategic uh, from the strategic oil reserves is a one time shot in terms of what it means for overall supply it's a one time shot of two and a half days worth of consumption the, 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 there's nothing that's going to be behind that and, and if consumption's strong if if we're consuming at, or even above the pace of output right now in terms of oil, this will be consumed and we'll still see shortages. This administration, the more I see it operate, the more I wonder if they really are this economically illiterate. A one-time injection of two days of supply into the system isn't going to do anything to bring prices down in any significant way. And it's not going to bring them down in a sustained way. The only way to bring prices down in a significant way in a sustained way is to provide a steady source of supply that will raise the overall global inventories of oil. Now, how do we do that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe finish the Keystone Pipeline? Maybe getting the frackers back to work, that would be a good step, too, to take. We gotta quit relying and going to uh, and, and begging OPEC to increase, uh, increase their output. Most, if not all, those countries hate us. What do you think they're gonna do when we go to say, please, produce more oil? Well, th- they're gonna double barrel middle finger us and say, do we're gonna do what we want? And right now, we're making a ton of money. We're giving the world just enough, and it keeps pushing the prices up. There's uh, uh, shortages that uh, as people, as uh, the analysts look at the long-term horizon, they're seeing potential shortages out there. That means more money for us. We're not going to produce anymore. Take a hike, Biden. We had energy and independence. We had it. We had gas prices $2 and under, at least in my area was $2 and under. I think that was the case of a lot of the country. California, we know, is different. And probably New York and some other places like that. But my area, a lot of areas, we had $2 and under gas. When we had the frackers up and working on a large scale, I'm sure there's still some working, but on the larger scale. When we had. The expectation that the Keystone Pipeline was going to be finished. That was keeping the prices low. When we had our oil producers out there working, we were outproducing, the U.S. was outproducing the likes of Saudi Arabia before we had bumbling Biden take office. Since then, we've been thrown back to the mercy of the oil cartel and Like I said, they're making money hand over fist right now. They're in no hurry to increase output to do anything. Those countries are making money and they are stuffing their coffers so they can pay for their social programs because their whole, uh, a number of them anyway, their government budget is oil money. What is needed is an alternative source of oil that will render that cartel less powerful and prod them also into increasing output lest they lose market share. That's what this is about here. That Again, what is needed to drop the prices of energy, the prices of oil, the prices of our natural gas we use to heat our homes is to open up another line of steady and reliable supply. That's economics 101. And sadly, this administration is showing once again that it doesn't have a grasp on even the most basic of concepts. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with the knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day while on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.